0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, tonight, uh, let's just share some things here that will stir you up about healing. I thank God that Jesus is a healer. If there's people in this room that need healing, We need to start walking in this healing ourselves. Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, six years ago, I remember right where I was when I said, okay, Lord, it's time for another good prayer. Not all prayer is good prayer. Prayer can have all kinds of different motives attached to it. People, People can be praying for all kinds of material things that would only bury you in the world and you'd lose your relationship with God. How in the world could that be a good prayer? Your father sees that. Oh Lord, I want this much money and I want these many houses and I just praise you that it's my right and privilege. Yeah, and you'll be so swallowed up in the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. You'll no longer come to church. You'll be out on your boat. You'll be with your friends and the next thing you know, your soul is right on that tipping point of whether or not you are or you're not. Well, does that mean I got to just stay, you know, poor and, and say anything about poverty? Just said something about what? Relationship. I'm telling you, the closer you get to Jesus, the less you care about the world. If you say you have an amazing relationship and you still long for all the things of the world, it's not as amazing as you think. Because the more real he becomes, the less you see the need for anything and you see the folly in everything. So, what do you mean? Ask a guy that's really smart. His name is Solomon. Hey, man, you might not have read for a real long time that book called Ecclesiastes, but read it in the Message Bible, and you'll see what he basically comes to is saying this. I've been everywhere, I've done everything, and the money that I have has provided me access to all that is and all that man could want. And after doing it all, seeing it all, and making an investigation out of it, I come to one conclusion. It's all vanity. And if you don't have God in your life, you've got nothing. Well, brother, I'd like to try it for myself. You know, we're just sharing things from the truth and from what God shares with us that'll help you and guide you. You actually have to be the ones that make the choices and decisions. So tonight, thank God for healing. We need to really press in in this day to begin to walk in divine health not only get healing, but stop being sick. Now, one of the things that really caused me to have to get on my face, and I've begun to see change in my personal life. My first good prayer was to see change by being able to help others. My second good prayer was seeing change to help myself. I've seen for far, far too long In our quote-unquote camp, that ministers pray for others but can't get their own prayer answered. I call it a disease. You got awful quiet on me now, didn't you? I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I'm talking a real broad stroke here. And why would I talk in particular when I could, uh, I could admit to you that even six years ago, mine were sketchy at best. I'd get some answered and wouldn't get others answered. And then I'd have, you know, the old combination. You go to the doctor and you're taking medicine and believing God's going to help you. We got people preaching now, you know, that faith has an alternative method. What method would you need alternative-wise if you believed God? You got people preaching you know do all you can do in the natural and then believe God if you believe God would there be anything left to do in the natural I'm not talking about the wisdom of eating something good versus eating something bad I mean literally think about it you can't eat too many Cheetos without realizing with all that dye in there you're probably going to die soon okay <laughs> eat them in, eat them in moderation all right If you've ever ate something that was very healthy but yet tasty and your body said, wow, that was good, and afterwards it digested so well, then you know the difference between food that actually is really good for you and food that just seems to stay on you and weights you down and you can't function. Come on, folks. We, We can be smart about how we eat and exercise and different things. But, you know, think about all the people Jesus had to heal, and that was with the Mediterranean diet. So healing isn't just about you being wise in this world. It's a spiritual thing, folks. But we must. There's there's such a cause. I feel like David standing up and saying, is there no cause that the world would see that the church has health and that the church would realize that we don't fight with sword and spear. It's not about going into the world's way. We have God on our side. It's time to go back to some of those principles of what is and what isn't and just lay aside what isn't. Amen. I mean, Jesus is going to come soon. We don't have time for all the frivolous phrase. Amen. Amen. So tonight I want to present something. If I can stretch your mind a little bit to think what you weren't thinking, then I'm doing good. Because if I leave you thinking the same way you've been thinking, that you'll have the exact same thing that you've been having. Colossians chapter 3. I want you to really stretch your mind perspective-wise as far as your physical body is concerned tonight. What's the possibility? We're putting the value of our life in the wrong place. While you're turning there, we've got a couple of young folks sitting right up here on the front, front row. Are you guys good in, in addition, like 2 plus 2 equals 4? You, you're pretty good with that, aren't you? Okay. So let me give you an equation. 0 plus 0 equals what? Kudos. Knuckles. Amen. Okay. You're probably not old enough for algebra. But if I said x plus 10, what would it equal? What, X, wait a second, X plus zero equals 10, what would X equal? Oh, really good. Okay, then do this for me. X plus zero equals negative 10. What would X be? Negative 10, good. Three for three. When Jesus came out of the grave, He said words that no human had ever said before. He said, all power has been given unto me. He'd never talked about all power before the cross. He only talked about power, not all power. I know some people may may question me with this, but I stand very strong on this, that Jesus did not walk in all power before the cross. He walked in the anointing of Adam. How could he walk in more power and stand before God having rectified everything that the first man Adam messed up but having twice as much power as God himself in order to do it? And if you'll look, you'll see that Jesus said things like this in John chapter 17 as a prophetic prayer unto the day that he would rise from the dead. He said, Father, I've completed thy work. I've finished the course. Now glorify me with the glory which I had from the beginning when I was with you. What does that mean? He's obviously not, that, not got that glory on him now. Why? Because we found out through Paul that he laid aside his glory. He laid aside his privileges to come as a man, come as Adam in the earth. Even when he said to the disciples, I give unto you power. He didn't say I give unto you all power. He said I give unto you power. Now the power he gave could do what? It could get rid of all devils and all sickness and all disease. Why? If you can flick a devil off with the flick of your finger, you don't even need the whole hand. We're talking about a devil. We're talking about an angel who's not even in the class of a human being. There's only one created being that God made in his class, and that's called man. Everything else, even in heaven, is not in our class. They may be spiritual beings in heaven the seraphim, cherubim, the angels, but they're not in the class of man. They're not in the image and in the likeness of man. We have been privileged to be in the image and likeness of man. So even at Satan's best, he was still a servant unto man. God plucked his wings, he lost the anointing and fell like lightning and hit the the earth in a ball of dust. And we're supposed to be afraid of him? It's supposed to take so much power to get rid of him? I don't think so. But go back to this thought so we don't take too much time with this. It's a real interesting study if we were to go there. What I'm trying to help you to see is when Jesus came out of the grave and took from the devil the keys of death and hell, he took the power that the devil had and he said, all power now has been given unto me. That's not all the devil's power. That's what the devil had, plus what God reinstated unto him. Because when he came out of the grave, it was the Holy Ghost from heaven that came and breathed into him the breath of life, just like God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And he came out of the grave as the resurrected and the glorified Christ with all the glory as a human being, still the son of God, but still living in a human body. And that's the first time you'll ever see that a human being was able to articulate that all power was in their possession. Interestingly enough, then what he did was he went ahead and conferred it upon the church. How much? All. Now, if Jesus has all power, how much does the devil have? Okay, would none also be zero? Because isn't zero on a numerical scale, isn't zero an actual value? Yes, it is. So if we do our equation, zero plus zero equals zero, we know the devil is one of those zeros. So if you've got a negative value at the end of your equal sign, you're going to have to figure out who put it there. Because at what time does the devil ever have anything other than zero? And the answer is, he never does. So X plus zero equals negative ten. Who put the negative ten in there? You did. You're the only one that can add value or subtract value. Because you're made in the image and likeness of God. Everything's already established in heaven. Everything is already established in your heart. So it's what you do with it. Now you've got to see this in order for us to go further. Because what I'm sharing with you in just a few moments is we've bought into a system that's not the accurate system. Remember Pastor talked about after the service this morning? He talked about the Holy Ghost is who leads you into all truth. Truth means it's the, one, it's the one Greek word that I can actually pronounce. Aletheia. The only one that I can pronounce. And that simply means reality. It's the spirit of the reality that leads you into the way things really are. Because we're living in an alternate world, folks. you got to know that, don't you? Adam's world that he created is the world that we're all fighting against. We're working so hard to try to get ahead and we're doing what we need to do physically to try to keep ourselves strong, keep ourselves healthy. This whole rat race that we're in, it's Adam's deception that he gave the earth. It's not the real world that God wanted us to experience. Amen. You're not a physical body. You're a spirit. Amen. Do you own a car? Are you a car? But you own one. That's right. Truck. We're out in the country. Truck. Ford or Chevy. Chevy. I'm going to go over here. You own a Jeep. Are you a Jeep? Do you drive the Jeep or do you let the Jeep drive you? If you let the Jeep drive you, you let me know when you do, because then I'll make sure I'm off the road. Because wouldn't it be really bad to let the Jeep drive you? You need to be in control of it, don't you? Now let me ask you a question. Isn't it very interesting? that you left your cars in the parking lot so that you could come in here and have fellowship? Because wouldn't it be really kind of cramped in here if we had all our cars in here? Huh? So notice what you do. You leave them out in the parking lot so you can actually come and enjoy something that doesn't have to have the car involved. Because the truth of the matter is, you're a spirit You're not a body. Your body is just the vehicle. Just like a car is a vehicle. It's just the vehicle. You're the spirit. And the question is, even though I know you're going to want to answer in the affirmative, the question is, are you driving your body or is your body driving you? And what would be the most effective way to be able to really find God? Less of the body, more of God. Where do you find that scripture? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, where it says what? To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. There's something about that. That's not just for death. That's also for life. The more absent you are of the body, the more the body is not necessarily what means the most to you, the more you can find spiritual truth and spiritual reality. It's always on a balance scale, folks. Come on. So what's the possibility that we've bought into the world of Adam, so to speak? the negativity of this world, and we actually believe something that might not necessarily be true. Let's discover that right here. Colossians chapter 3. It says in verse 1, and this is the Message Bible. I read a lot from the Message, but I also read from the translations. So you may like one or may like another. I just like certain certain ways things are said. It says, So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. I love that. And a little further it says, Your old life is dead. Would you realize that's actually a revelation to a lot of folks? You're a new creature. I, I am. Yes, the old person is gone. And that's one of the things. We, we're not going to take time to go here, but that's a whole other area for us to really dig in and ask ourselves the question, why are we not absolute about this spiritual life that we now have in Christ? Because to the degree that you mix them together, Or don't even know that you're a spirit and don't recognize the newness of your spirit and your position with Christ. How in the world can you make decisions that connect you constantly to God? Come on, when I use the word connecting to God, it's the most simple of scriptures that all of you should love. If you've ever read some of Brother Hagin's material, you know from the prayer material this is in every single, almost every single lesson starts right here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done for you of my Father. By this my Father is glorified by much fruit. To abide means to stay continually connected. If you're continually connected with his word, not only the written word, but also the words from your fellowship, and you're continually connected to him, you'll ask what you will, and it for sure will be done. Why? How often do you expect the lights to come on? Give me a scenario where you wouldn't expect them to come on. What about if there was a really bad storm and the what was off? The power was off. Would you expect them to come on? No, the power's not on. But as long as the power is on and everything seems to be going around as usual, don't you expect to see lights when you turn them on? Shouldn't we expect to see fruit? Or in other words, answer prayer. When we pray prayers constantly, if we are connected, we know the power's flowing through our life. Then the only reason why we're not seeing them has to do with some type of what? Bad connection. All right, I'm going to do this just, just to help you. You know, we got these phones, and they're supposed to be so absolutely amazing, but they've literally distracted the whole society. You do know that, so you have to be careful about them. But nonetheless, in my phone is more than enough of a program and the power to do many different things. However, without a connection, you know, you can't do much. Have you ever been on the phone with somebody, and all of a sudden it goes off? What's the first thing that you do? Don't you look to see if you got any bars? Bars or dots, depending on what kind of phone you got. And all of a sudden you got one dot or one bar and you realize, wow, I got a bad connection. It must be me. How about if you got five and yet the phone seems to go off and it's kind of crackling and you can't really hear the person. Are you there? 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 there? Oh, there you are. And you got five. What do you know? They must be in a bad cell area, right? They don't have a good connection. So what's the importance? It's important that both sides have five bars, now, i got to share something with you, and this is, the, this is the wonder of God's love. God's love is so amazing that when you were born again, he knows your, your, cell, your cell service, whether it's Verizon, whether it's you know, Sprint, whether it's AT&T, or whatever it is, he knows what you like the best, and he strapped a cell tower on your back so that you would have, from him to you, five bars at all times. <laughs> Full power from God towards you, so you'll never have a bad connection from God to you. He forgave all your sins so the connection would always be there. Yeah, but your choices determine whether you got bars or whether you don't have bars at all. Someone say, well, that kind of stinks. It kind of does because that's. That's what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. It's an amazing thing. It's kind of like your family starving and you've got, a, you've got one, you know, one slug left in your shotgun and you're standing five feet away from a buck that doesn't see you. Well, that, that shotgun right there is a very wonderful tool for the salvation of your family so you don't starve. But that same shotgun in the hands of a four-year-old pointed at a two-year-old with the safety off is a very dangerous thing. To be made in the image and likeness of God on one hand is amazing. On the other hand, it's not really that great. Why? Because if you point that thing in the wrong direction, you're going to get what you believe. All things are possible to him to believes. That doesn't mean it's always good. People are believing all kinds of things and manifesting all kinds of things. And listen, if you live in a negative world and the negativity is going this way and you don't feel like you're going against a current, Pastor, you go fly fishing, I'm sure some of the currents are strong. I lived on the Niagara River. It was about a six to seven mile an hour current that went north. And you get out in that current and you can feel it coming against you. If you don't feel that there's a current coming against you because you're going against it toward God while everyone else is going this way, then what's the possibility that you're probably going with it? You have to make a determination. It has to be a conscious thing every day. How come? Because not everybody's doing it. In fact, very, very few are. Amen. If everybody was doing it, you'd just go along with the Joneses. Come on, to get along, you, you go along. To go along, you get along. Well, brother, you're talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. So, let's look at a couple thoughts and see if our perspective is off. This is what he's talking about. He went on to say this in the message Bible three and four. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life. See, that's the guy on the inside. That's the guy that's supposed to be driving the body. Even though invisible to spectators is with Christ in God, he is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. All right, real quickly, go over to Exodus chapter 15. And let me read from the New King James Version in verse 22. And you know what this is about. This is about Jehovah Rapha. This is where God initiated this amazing and wonderful redemptive truth, this covenant, to work with the children of Israel. And it says here, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur, and went three days in the wilderness, found no water. And when they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. This is 22 to 26. Therefore, the name of it was called Merah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, Where shall we drink, or what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right... In his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put put none of the diseases. I'm sure you've been taught here that's at the incident in the permissive sense. It means I will permit none of these diseases upon you, which I have permitted upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Rapha. Let me ask you a simple question. In this passage, what did he heal? Come on, there's three million plus people. What did he heal? Excuse me? The water. Now, this is very interesting. It kind of raises some thoughts right here. That he's initiating a covenant that says, I heal you. But actually, he didn't heal them. He healed the water. We've got to see God's perspective. Psalm 105, verse 37. This is when God brought, through the leadership of Moses, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Remember that last night? Moses prophesied to the nation that unless you took a lamb, an blem- uh, unblemished lamb, in other words, it was the redemptive story of Christ to come and put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost down the sides, that your firstborn child would die. Now we know that the blood made a way for the glory, blood and the glory worked together. So in other words, those that put that blood over the doorposts and down the sides, they were basically had a no vacancy sign outside. And when that death angel came by, it couldn't get in because of the glory, because of the glory, because of the glory. Thank God for the glory. Now, they came out of Egypt. And notice how they came out here in verse 37. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there were none feeble among his tribes. <clears throat> Think about that. They came out with silver and gold. Now, to me, that's just, that's just God. You can't really explain this. But God always does things that just baffles your mind because the enemy thinks he's so smart, but he's not even near as smart as he thinks he is. Amen. Amen. Interestingly, when they came out, all the people of Egypt were given the orders to give them gold. Why do you think Pharaoh was so mad after three days in the wilderness? Why did he come after him? Because he was eating on paper plates. (laughs) The third day he said, where's my gold? They said, you told us to give it to the Israelites. I did what? Well, yeah, you told us to give it all to the Israelites. He said, get an army together. Let's go get it back. Can you believe it? It's amazing. When you stand with God, how he'll stand with you. The craziest scenarios will happen and you'll benefit beyond your wildest imagination. Folks, listen, one of the number one reasons why we don't benefit like we should is, is because we don't step out in real faith. We've played this balancing act for so long, we think if we could just do a split a little bit longer, hey, hey, I'm, I'm touching more than I could touch before. Well, bully for you. You're not supposed to be doing it that way. It's all in or it's all out. All in. Or all out. Come on, it's real hot here in the summertime and you know if there's a nice pool of water or a nice lake. you got a couple different ways to get in. You can be a real sissy and just tap over there and just splash here on the legs and get it up to your waist and say, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't splash, splash. And you can just go through the horror of trying to get in, taking 15 minutes, and you still have to get to that place where you're ready to go. (sighs) When you could just jump in and for the couple of seconds that you're in the air and your mind goes, it's going to be cold, you end up being in the water and going, whoo, and you get real refreshed. And then you're ready to have a good time. <laughs> it's the same thing. We tried to adopt that mentality. I'm going to kind of go with God. No, 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 no. I'm going to kind of go with God. No. Back in the day, you see, when we didn't have all these options, it's the options that are killing us, folks. Don't you get that? Everything that technology does is to make life's, a man's life easier, which does what? It takes you out of the belief in God. My goodness, when you dropped kids off years ago and didn't have cell phones, you actually had to believe God they'd be okay. Now you just text them. Right? Think about this. We're losing our ability to communicate with one another. Come on, one of the greatest things you can do as a parent, if your child messes up, is make your parent go face-to-face with the kid they messed up with and repent because they're going to say, well, can I Twitter them? Can I Facebook them? Can I email them? Or can I at least text them? I'll even, I'll even do a FaceTime with them and tell them I'm sorry. No, you're going to go face to face. Oh, not face to face. (laughs) Why? Because we've lost touch with humanity. And if you've lost touch with people that you can see, how in the world can you expect to be in touch with a God you can't see? We're losing our society. Does it make sense? Sure it does. So you look here and you see that God brought them out with silver and gold. And it says there were none feeble. Which means that's when they got healed. That's why he didn't have to heal them at the waters of Merah. Because they were already healed. But notice what he did. He protected them. So that they would stay healed. What's God's desire? It's not getting healed. It's never getting healed. Yes. Even under the old covenant, God didn't look at it like people looked at it. He was trying to protect you from the things that would get you sick. Then Jesus comes along and he literally absorbs everything that could make you sick and defeats it. And becomes the solution for you ever having to fight against something and ever having to yield to something. Come on, let's look at this just a little bit more. We'll come on over to, uh, well, I I was going to take you to Psalm 91. I won't take you there, but you know Psalm 91, that Psalm of protection. That's God's idea of the covenant. A thousand will fall at one side, 10,000 on the other side will not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and behold the beauty of the Lord. No plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. What is God's real healing? It's protecting you from ever being sick. Now, wait a minute. If you begin to see things from a different perspective, all of a sudden it changes everything. You may be in the fight of your life from the physical standpoint and what the doctors are telling you and what your flesh is feeling right now. The fight of your life. And if you buy into that hook, line, and sinker, then you've just given negative value to your equation. You've got a negative at the end of your your equal sign. And if that makes you sad, then you need to get glad tonight. Because if you put a negative value there, you got a Holy Ghost eraser. You can erase it and put a positive value there. Because as you see it, as you declare it to be, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. That's the reason why that we can do what? We can bind those things on earth. They'll be bound in heaven. We can loose things on earth. They'll be loose. We've got a contract with Almighty God. And how you see it is how it will be. If you want to change the way you see it, we can change the way you feel it. So I look over here in Isaiah chapter 53, and you know this, I'm just going to go through this quickly, but four and five it says, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we have streamed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we, what, are healed. Maybe that's how God sees all of us right now. Wouldn't you also be able to hear the Lord if you stopped for a moment? You could hear him say, think my thoughts. Don't think your thoughts. My thoughts are above your thoughts. My ways are beyond your ways. In other words, come on up and see it the way I see it. Come on, if you could see your life in the next 24 hours the way God sees it, you'd be slap happy right here tonight. Amen. You'd be going home. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be singing, you'd be shouting. Why? Because God sees things way different than you see things. Well, I've got a test tomorrow. You know, they, they think that I've got the next stage of the diabetes. I've got a test tomorrow. They're, they're talking about, you know, my kidneys are failing. I've got a test tomorrow. This little bump that I've got in my body, they say, might be four-stage cancer. Yeah, well, it might just be gas. <laughs> One guy came to me and he said, the doctor said, I got this big old tumor in my brain. I said, you know, a tumor in your brain and a gas pocket look the same on an x-ray. He said, they do. I said, that's just gas, brother. I know that's not necessarily the greatest way to say something, but gas always has a way of working its way out. Why in the world would you worry about it? You need to loosen up a little bit. Loosen up. This is, this is the traveling guy. It's not the pastor. This is the traveling guy. <laughs> Amen. Stirring things up. Saying things a little bit different. That's okay. Come on, we need to see it a little bit different. Why are you buying into the idea? My goodness, when's the last time you saw your brains? Well, I I haven't seen them. Well, how do you know they're up there? (laughs) Let alone some tumor in your brain. See, all things are possible in the beliefs. You believe what they tell you. There's a tumor. Yeah, but I'm having all these symptoms. So what? Symptoms come, symptoms go. Maybe we're more in control this whole thing, we think. Matthew Matthew eight sixteen and 17, real quickly here. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the world and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, what we just got through reading, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And then we know, for the sake of time right here, we know Peter, 1 Peter, uh, uh, Peter 2.24 2, tells us, by his stripes we were healed. Alright, so you put all those together along with Psalm 103. I'm going to read this and now I want to make some observations. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who crowns your life from destruction and crowns uh, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is is renewed like the eagles. Okay. Did Jesus take all of your infirmity? Yes. Now, I'm going to warn you here. If you're going to use the three-letter word called all, A-L-L, you're going to have to be responsible for it. So be very careful. I'm going to ask you again, and you make a, make a really good decision right now. You say, what are you talking about? I'm trying to help you with something. We use definitive, absolute words all the time, but we live a very absolute-less life. The way you do life has to go with the absolute word. Did he take all your infirmity and bear all your pain, all your sicknesses? Yes, he did. You have to be absolute about it. People don't like being absolute. Why? Because it corners them. Because if he did, then from his vantage point, you don't have what you've been told you have. Even though the doctors have told you something, and even though your body seems to be exactly what they've told you, you don't have that because he took it. Because you have to ask yourself the question, from God's perspective, how is there any sickness left on the earth for men to contact? Did he take all our sickness and disease, but somehow it just came back? It's back. What did he do? Did he take it or did he take it? Brother, you're getting too literal about this. That's right. That's right I am. Because that's what Jesus did. Got real literal about this. You want to look at his back? See the stripes that were upon his back? To see what he did? He took your infirmity. He took my infirmity. Not just a general sense. He took all of our infirmity. All of our sickness. He removed it from this planet. And from your life. God didn't bring Jesus out of the grave until he finished for every single individual personally. He redeemed us. He justified us. He made us as righteous as Jesus. And not until he forgave everyone's sin, past, present, and future, could Jesus come out of the grave. When he came out of the grave, one thing you know for sure is he finished the work. He finished the work because no no priest, high priest, ever sat down under the law. Jesus was the first one that sat down on a seat, which represents what he finished the work. Under the old covenant, the work was never done. They had to continue to repeat every single year the sacrifices. But Jesus made a once for all sacrifice with His blood, which was precious blood. It wasn't the blood of bulls and coats. Thank God. It was precious blood. It was holy blood. And when He put that at the altar, it was finished for all time. Your sickness and disease was canceled. Not just the idea of it, the actual sickness and the actual disease. As well as our sin. It's gone. Well, brother, you can't tell me it's gone when I'm hurting so bad, right? Yes, I can, because it's the spiritual truth that always trump the flesh. Do you know scissor, paper, rock? You do? What trumps rock? Do it. Put paper on there. That's right. What trumps paper? What trump scissor. Yeah, do it. Ugh. He beat me three in a row. <laughs> Spiritual realities are what we're living by. This is our new life. He took us out of this old existence and put us into a brand new existence. Now to walk in this, you got to let go of the world that you know. Ask yourself the question, how can I find the world that I don't know unless I let go of the world that I do know? A.W. Tozer, back in 1860, said, real faith is where you put yourself on purpose in a position where you can't go back. Pseudo-faith is where you have a way out just in case God fails you. Come on, that's old-timers. That's the old-timers. I like one translation of Hebrews 11, 1, which talks about faith being the substance of things, hoped for the evidence of things not seen. The distilled translation said, now faith is betting your life on the unseen realities of God. Now that just trips my switch. That just makes me want to jump off, the, off the, the Grand Canyon into God's arms. Amen. Some of the things I've done in life, this just kind of up my alley. On purpose, I've done them just to tweak myself, put myself so far out I can't get back. It's just me and it's just God. God told me to do something financially and this is what I told him. I said, I know it's you telling me to do it and here's here's how I'm going to do it. These are my terms. I'm going to go so far, so beyond what I can do that I either bankrupt myself and my family or you're there to protect us and save us according to what you just said. Why would you do that? To get out as far as I can so I can't get back. Because I know myself. If I can get back under pressure, I will. Huh? Huh? What about putting yourself so far out there it's just you and God? Well, what happens if it doesn't work? Well, that's the whole reason why we're preaching what we're preaching and going to demonstrate in a few moments what we're going to demonstrate for the purpose of doing not raising your expectation that he will never fail you, he will never leave you. He's with you always, even at the end of the age, and it's not just to tap you on the shoulder and say, I know life stinks, but I'm here. That doesn't help anybody. He's there as power when you feel weak. He's there as strength when you feel like you've got none. He's there as encouragement when no one's in your corner. He's there to lift you out of your problem and set you on a high place where there is no devil. Glory to God. Mighty God that we sing about. So now I'm asking you the question. How can there be any sickness left if Jesus took it? And it comes back to one simple verse. All things are possible to him that believes. The reasons why there's sickness in the earth and it seems to be getting greater and greater and greater is because people believe in it. I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, but years ago we didn't have months with colors attached to them. I played football in high school and college, and we, we kind of weren't allowed to wear pink. If you did, you'd get the tar beat out of you. Huh? And now football players wear pink, and someone may get you know, all bristled and say, well, that's because you know my wife had breast cancer. You better not say anything about it. No, 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 I want to help you. I'm not trying to, to, to be disrespectful here to someone that had cancer or even died with it. I'm trying to help you. Don't you see what's happening right underneath our noses? We make a whole month to make people aware of breast cancer, which does nothing more than make people believe in it more, which gives us more breast cancer and people are more afraid of it. Don't you see what's happening? Why wouldn't we have 12 months a year with the crimson blood of Jesus Christ as our color and make people aware of the fact that it's over, it's done, it's settled, it's finished, he's alive, he's victorious, he is the Lord. What's the possibility if we were constantly reminded sickness would disappear, disease would disappear, pains would go. But to be reminded all the time, we're supposed to yield to these things. We didn't even have helmets that were as good as they have today. And we'd have drills where you'd line up. And, you know, a guy my size would invariably get one of the linemen. And, you know, especially if he's a defense, I was quarterback, so they never liked me. Because my jerseys and stuff was always nice and clean. You know, the the coach during practice would blow the whistle before they'd tackle me (laughs) to protect me. And I'd get this big, huge lineman, and he'd be looking, and we'd just go, and they'd blow the whistle, and you'd go head on, boom, and you'd hit. Oh, my God, the whole team would have concussions today. Why? Because we're concussion-minded. We're so afraid of them and so aware of them that a guy gets hit, and his head goes back, and it hits with the what? With, with, With the helmet on. Five years ago, I'm skiing, and I decided to be brave, to do... Because I've always had really good balance. You know, somebody would tackle me and I'd be able to just kind of move. I always had good balance. So I said, I can do this snowboard thing. I've skied all my life. I can do the snowboard thing. And I remember getting up at the top and I just looked like you just, and you just swish back and forth. And I went like this. I started going down. I went, and all of a sudden, poof. And I shook my head like this and just, wow, I didn't see that coming. And I got back up and I swish poof. Because, you know, you can't, like, move a leg here to catch yourself because it's strapped in. They're really hard falls. Boom! And I'm on my face going, wow, that one really hurt. And all of a sudden, within three falls, I headed very gingerly to the bunny hill. Three falls. My hand hit so many times catching it, I had an elephant hand. It was as big as a horse right here. This hand was swollen, swollen on top, swollen here. I had, I had pains in my body like I'd never had in my entire life. Literally, I, 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 I did better with, with 280 pound linemen hitting me than, than the snow, even though it was, it was Colorado and it was still soft. The, the, the hits were so violent. At the end of the day, everyone's waiting for me. And I went up with a ski instructor, and he told me something. So I started using it, leaning into it a little bit more to catch the edge. Oh, my gosh. I made some amazing turns. Made some amazing turns here, some amazing turns there. I took my phone out and said, hey, everybody, watch me. I said, pride goes before the fall. I said, hey, everybody, watch me. I said, I really got this. I really got I just learned something. I really got this. They're all down there watching. I'm right underneath the the chairlift. And I did, boom, boom, hit some ice, and boom, and my head went... on the ice and I heard it crack all down my spine a guy on the chairlift goes whoa dude that was awesome (laughs) and all I could think of is get up and get up right now because I know yield to it oh baby I could have broke this I could have broke that get up and get up now. Let me ask you a question as we're closing. Lay hands on some of you. How did Jesus do all this? He looked at a man with a withered hand and said, that looks really bad. I think we're all going to pray for you. Everybody stretch your hands out here and let's just pray. That's not what he said. He said, do what? He said, shake my hand. I mean, shake my hand. I mean, shake my hand. Okay. Okay. What did he say to a blind man? He said, go home. You've got faith, go home. That would have been written up in CNN. Preacher tells blind man, go home. <laughs> How's a blind man going to go home? Well, any way will do for a start, right? Doesn't really have to know which way. Just start going. And it says, in the going, is what the original text means. In the going, his eyes opened. Why? What was Jesus? On? Jesus never alluded to the difficulty. You always what? He always was reminded of the solution. Always reminded of what? The victory. He didn't look at things the way we look at things. He told ten men that had leprosy, go show yourself to the priest. What well, was the priest that told him to get on the other side of the road and be quarantined. When were they going to get healed? They were healed as they went. Come on, look at how Jesus did. He always spoke things and said things according to what he saw in his father's vision, not what he saw out of his flesh. What's the possibility while I've been talking? Pains have left your body right here in this service. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. Because the moment you raise your expectancy to think, my goodness, I've been buying into this, right then, right there, your equation can change. What's the possibility somebody's been buying into the idea that you've had an accident? And so because of that accident, you just have to have the problem you have. I mean, look at the way we do, folks. Come on, as soon as you get past 40, you know, you start reading things and you have to have somebody hold it out here. Why? Well, that's just what we expect. When you turn around 50, those kind of things happen. Yeah, not feeling it. Yeah, how old are you? Well, I'm, I'm yeah, well, that's just what happens. Well, my goodness, think of it. How would you like to be Methuselah? And at 50, start to feel the pains and have someone tell you, do you know, I've, I, I read in the book that you're going to live 969 years. You've got 906, 19 years left of this. And it goes, shoot me. <laughs> right? Let me ask you a question. Wasn't there a day when either Adam and Eve, Adam or Eve, bruised for the first time? They didn't know how to cook. They didn't know how to do things. So they were learning. What if Eve was, you know, the, the, the counter? You know, it was, a, it was a really rough counter. And she walked around it real fast. and She goes, ow. And Adam said, what would you say ow for, honey? I don't know. But I just hit myself right here in the side, and it hurt. Well, what's hurt? I don't know that either, but that's just what it feels like is a hurt. Well, let me look at it. And he looks at it and goes, wow. She said, what? And she looks at it and says, wow. It's starting to turn all purple. She said, this is awesome, isn't it? It is. Let's, what do you want to call it? Let's call it a tattoo. <laughs> and he said, show me how you did that. And she said, I just hit that. And he goes over and goes, bam, and goes, ah, ha. Oh, Ow. Ow. you didn't tell me it hurt that. I didn't know what hurt was. Well, let's look at yours. And it's all yellow. Ooh, that's awesome. Let's get a few more. See, at some day, it had to all start where things began to alter the original pattern. And here we are, 6,000 years later, where it's just bought in hook, line, and sinker to the idea that you get sick because of this, you're hurt because of that, you wake up and you can't breathe because of this. And every single thing we buy into, we have it exactly like we believe it. And then we believe it so strongly, and then we come to church trying to get out of what we actually believe. Well, why don't we believe so strongly he actually took your sickness, he actually bore your disease, the pain that you're feeling in your body, maybe it's not as real to you as it was. My goodness, I saw this little boy with a polio leg and an angel showed up and jerked that leg out and the boy took off running. Now, which was really real, the polio or the boy running? Saw this lady with a big gourd to put my hand on, psh- And it was gone just like... So what was real? The gorder or the fact that it's gone? Saw a lady with a tumor the size of a grapefruit in her breast and I looked at her and she said, I think something's happening. I said, go to the restroom and put water on it. You said, how come you told her that? Just to make her do something. Did God tell you to do it? No, I just wanted her to get her mind off of it. She went with another lady, put a couple drops of water on it, just like that, it disappeared, came back in running, shouting and praising God. In one service, I saw a whole section of wheelchairs and people on crutches, and all of a sudden the presence of God started moving, and bam, the whole section just jumped up and started walking. Now they looked kind of like one of those Z Nation zombie things. They're all walking like this, you know. But the further they walked, the better they walked. Okay, <laughs> until they all started walking normal. But I mean, at first it was like, <laughs> woo, praise the Lord! I think that's the Lord. So what's real? What's real? Saw a lady in another country. She had a curse on her and her tongue grew hair as long as a couple feet long. Hair coming out of her mouth. Took my jacket. She's on a balcony. Took my jacket and said, give it to her. And they threw it up to the moment it hit her. Poof, it all disappeared and that devil came out. So what's real? Hair in the tongue, a devil or God? What's real? Blind eye opened up and all of a sudden it's no longer like it was and it's perfect. Man with glycoma, and he woke up the next morning and it felt like there was a contact lens in his eye and it crusted up and fell off and he could see perfect what's real, glycoma or a perfect eye. We buy into this world without even thinking of it. It's become a part of the fabric of our society. We don't realize that we're victimized by past generations. This is the way everybody just does life on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm feeling that coming down with it. But you know what? I got plenty of all kinds of things in my medicine cabinet to help me out. We got more faith in the medicine cabinet than we do God. What about getting out there so far? You can't get back, and it's just you and Jesus. Well, brother, I think you're taking away, you know, too much here. Asking too much. Not asking too much. It has to start somewhere. Hallelujah. It has to start somewhere. I'm working this on my family. Working this on my girls. My daughter in, in doing a, a double in her gymnastics. It was an outside meet in a 100 degree temperature. And her footies slipped off. She was sweating so bad. She's up in the air, 15 feet up in the air, doing a double. Boom, lands right on her knee, on the big brace, of the, blows her knee out. Sitting there writhing in pain, and I had to make a decision: Am I a spirit or am I flesh? Am I a spirit or am I flesh? Does God make bad bad knees? Yeah, but at the... At- I walked up to her and I said, "Honey," and she's crying, "Daddy, Daddy!" I said, "Wait, wait, wait!" I said, "We can go right now, and I'll take you." I said, "The clinic's right down the street," and I said, "You probably tore your ACL." meniscus i said but they do a great work nowadays you'll be out it's an outpatient deal and tomorrow when you go on your mission trip to england i said you'll have a cast and i said and you'll have crutches i said but three months you'll be off that you can start re- rehabilitating and get back right in, in the gym i said and i'm fine with it if you want to do that i said oh, we can do it god's way she said i want to do it god's way and someone had already put ice underneath i said then get rid of that ice right now and the lady looked at me and they put i said i don't need your ice she took the ice and she just threw it away like this and then some lady was crushing ice over and I said and you and she goes (laughs) later my wife said I can't believe you offended my friends I said well give me a little leeway while I'm learning to do this with my daughter under the pressure I said because I could have caved like everybody else and we'd be in surgery right now and I looked at her and said does God make bad knees she goes no I said then get up walk on yours I'm, I'm hungry aren't you hungry let's go get a hot dog and she hobbled the whole way We hobbled to the car. We got home, and you think, is anything really happening? Oh, yeah. How do you know? I went up there that night and said, go ahead, get your knees out. Let's look at them. She was already in bed. And I said, what difference do you see in your knees? She goes, none. I said, do you not know with what you did, you'd have a knee the size of a a a, a basketball right now? I said, do you not realize how much God's already touched you? I said, now here's what you're going to do. The moment you get out of bed, you jump out of bed and you jump up and down and you run downstairs and have breakfast. And you'll end up going on your missions trip without one problem at all. She was downstairs early, jumping around going, look at dad, I don't have a problem. I said, I know baby, because you're healed. You're not sick trying to get well. You're healed never to get sick. On that missions trip, I'll share this story. I know it's going a little long. I'll try, to, I'll try to close it up. On that missions trip, the missionary and his wife were there. While they were getting their stuff at the airport, she, she stumbles off the curb and falls and hits her knee on the ground and, and, and sprains her knee and sprains her ankle. She's crying, laying on the ground. All the kids, 20 of them, come over. My daughter's one of them. They come over to pray for her. And the moment they prayed for her, the husband comes and picks her up and says, we're going to the hospital. She ended up having a cast. She ended up having crutches. And the night that we were all together looking at all the pictures and us parents were all around the table and I didn't know who she was but I'm actually sitting right next to her. And she said, oh, I just have to tell the most amazing and wonderful story to give God praise. He helped me to keep up with everybody on my crutches. All praise to the name of the Lord. And I looked at her and I looked at my wife and I said, well, you know, I have something to say about that. And all of a sudden, these claws went deep down into my leg. And I went... And I turn, she goes, don't you dare. Because I was fixing to say, you just perverted 19 out of 20 of these young people. And twisted their minds to believe that God doesn't do what you ask him to do. And the only reason why it's not 20 out of 20 is because my daughter had something worse than you the day before. But she's completely healed and went there believing that God would touch you while you got right back up. And went as fast as you could to let man help you. And God was there in his grace and glory to tell you it's really not what you think it is. One of my friends just got saved. He's a rancher. He's at a traffic light, a very busy intersection. His first experience with the voice of God, four weeks into his salvation. And he hears a voice saying, get up on the highway now. Well, that would mean he'd have to run the red light and there's traffic like crazy. He looks at his dog and he says, either we're all the way in or we're not. And didn't even look, just floored it. (laughs) Went right through. No one touched him. Was up on the interstate in time to watch a motorcycle wobble and (laughs) right across in front of him into the ditch. He gets out of his truck and goes down there. The guy's sitting on his knees praying, God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for this. My friend says, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm asking forgiveness. He goes, kind of a little bit too late right now, don't you think? The guy's got blood all down his pant leg. My friend starts engaging him in conversation. Just asking him, why why would he think that it actually has to be that bad? He says, what do you mean I just had an accident? He said, I've got, well, he said it actually doesn't hurt. I don't know why it doesn't hurt. And just then the paramedic came and clipped his pant leg all the way up to his hip, pulled the pant leg back, and all he saw was perfect baby skin. The paramedic said, wow, this must be uh, red mortar oil. My friend looked and said, red mortar oil? I think it's time for me to go. <laughs> the guy looked at him and said, w- w- will, I ever, will I ever see you again? He goes, well, I sure hope not. I don't even know you. <laughs> Just walks away. What did God do? Maybe it wasn't exactly like he thought. Maybe in your life it's not exactly as you thought. What's the possibility we've been sick for so long and taking care of ourselves for so long we don't even have a consciousness of what it would be like to not actually have to be sick? What's the possibility you've, you've woken up with pain so many so many days in a row you wouldn't know what it would like to be without pain? Amen. Yep. I know one thing for sure. I remember being in a singers and band and I can feel it right now because I'm getting ready to talk about it. Brother Hagin didn't mean to pick me. He was picking Annie Durant and he was getting ready to turn around at camp meeting and pick Dean, because he's up there wobbling around with his feet stuck, going, and he's wobbling around like he's going to fall. Well, when I got in the group, the first thing they told me, see, I'm I'm Baptocostal. I'm making the conversion from Baptist to Pentecostal. Just got filled with the Holy Ghost six months before I got there. So everything's new for me. And I'm watching him wobble back and forth, laughing his head off, you know, drunk in the Holy Ghost. I didn't know exactly what it was all about or anything, but all I know is they told me, don't drop the prophet. I didn't understand that back then because I thought it was a nonprofit organization. Hey, Amen. Hey, Amen. <laughs> hey, but I learned later, it wasn't talking about money, he was talking about Brother Hagen. And you had to get real close to Brother Hagen because Brother Hagen had a real big belly. And if you didn't hook him real low, you'd go over with him if you tried to get him. <laughs> you know, skinny little legs and a big belly, he'd start to go over, you'd be over, you have to get underneath him like this. So I'm like, I'm like a shadow to him. He turned to do anything. He, he didn't even know I was there. And I'm standing right there and forgot that he was going to turn and look at Dean. That was his habit. When this happened, he'd get Annie and Dean. The drums were always directly behind the pulpit. He whirls around and I'm just there trying to pay attention. And he's this close to me. And when he, when he turned around, he it scared me. He goes, "Huh," like that. And I went, huh? Because it scared me too that it scared him. So I quickly went to the right and he went to the left. And now we're still looking at each other. So I quickly went to the right, and he slowly came over to his, I went to the left, he went to the right, he went over to, and I kept thinking, I'm, I'm over here for like, like all morning, I already had coffee and everything, I saw the paper, you took so long to get here, why didn't you just stay there? I was real quick, he comes over slower and looks at me and goes, like this, kind of like you're in my way, and I'm thinking I got here first. So I step back, because I'm real nervous. There's 10,000 people out there. It was back in the heyday. I step back, and he looks at me and goes, well, all right, I guess you'll do. I thought, well, at least he didn't say I wouldn't do. So he looked down at my shoes and looked at my hair and looked back down like that, you know. Looked me over real good. He said, put your hands out. I put my hands out. He put his hands in my hands. And he said, now, Take this. When he said this, all of a sudden I felt poof, poof, something going to my hands. He said, Take this down to the people. And he said, Minister it to them and release it to them in the name of Jesus. And he leaned in and he said, Make sure you use the name. And I thought, for crying out loud, I read your book. What other name would I use? <laughs> Henry, David. I know they use the name Jesus. So I didn't know what to do with my hands. If you put them in your pocket, you cross them. So I held them out like they were platters and I just walked all the way all the way back to the back corner, which was way back there in the corner and then had to walk down the stairs just to get down to the area where the, all the people were. And when I got down to the lower level, all of a sudden what was in my hands that I could feel and sense began to beat like a heartbeat. <laughs> And I can feel it like that right now. I thought, this is really crazy. The closer I got to the people, it started coming out of my hands and going up my arms. When I got to that first person, baby, I I wasn't talking about I was going to pray empty hands on empty heads. I had something, I'm going to put it in. I said, in the name. People said fire came out of my hands. That person, I didn't even touch them. Bam, they hit the ground. The ushers barely caught them. I stepped back and in my mind, I went, it was so exhilarating it was like holy smokes these things are loaded and i just in the name in the name in the name people were just falling like rocks i got to this one person in the middle of the row and i said in the name and it went past a pistol and it's like god gave me a shotgun it was like from my elbows not only did he go down but the ushers went down with him i had to pause for a second it was so exhilarating and i said give me that I got to the end of the line and got to this lady and I put my hand on her and said, In the name of Jesus. And when I touched her, she fell violently and I couldn't get my hand off her. And I started to fall with her. The ushers propped me up, somehow got my hand off. And I thought, Holy smokes. I've been doing that with Brother Hagen for years. I thought he was just old. He was falling over. It wasn't just age, it kind of took it right out of my belly and it convulsed me forward. That power right now, I can feel it in my hands. I know one thing for sure we can turn around your equation, we can get rid of that negative value. If you come up here ready to stop buying into that negative value, if you come up here to devalue the work of the flesh and the devil, but to give value and pray, come on, that's the reason why we magnify him, not because he gets any bigger, because we finally take the shades off of our eyes and let us see him in the light of who he is.